Hi, this is Ty France, and you're listening to the Friars on the Farm podcast. Welcome to Friars on the Farm podcast. I'm Donovan, and to my left is Roy. Live from Alesmith. We are live at Alesmith. We had a meeting uh, before, earlier this evening, and it just went real long. And uh, instead of having to go back to Roy's house or my place, uh, our place, that is, and uh, record, we thought we would just set up shop up here. So here we are. We are. This is where we actually did the interview with AJ Casserole. It is. AJ Casserole. Yeah. And so I'm hoping that we get a chance to do that again with somebody else from the media. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Dennis Lynn. We've been talking to Dennis. We're trying to twist his arm to get him to come out. It's probably going to be in the offseason. Yeah, probably be in the offseason, but that's all right. He's a, he's a busy guy. We don't quite have the audience that we had last time. No, we don't. We have an audience of one and some people playing. Are they playing Dungeons & Dragons or uh, Settlers of Catan? Something, something like that. It's not Risk. It's not. But hey, uh, let's get going. All right. So uh, leading off. Um, Lake Bakker uh, has been promoted, has been promoting a cause. Um, so Lake's father is going through cancer treatment. Yeah. Um, apparently he's in round 32 of chemotherapy. Woof. And as we've covered quite a bit here, the guys in minor league baseball don't make a whole lot of money. No. Um, Lake Bakker has been, he's been a mainstay in the Padres organization the last couple of guys, couple of years. He's a really good pitcher, but on top of that, it sounds like he's a really good human being. So they are doing, the Amarillo Sod Poodles are doing a fundraiser. Uh, they're selling uh, raffle tickets, and apparently they're going to be giving away a bunch of the jerseys the guys are wearing. Right. So Saturday night, they're going to wear the uh, Sod Poodles. It's like, a, it's the brown and gold, too. It's the old school Padres. Yeah, colors. it looks like the late 70s uh, uniforms. With the Sod Poodles on front, uh, a ribbon on the, on the arm, and no one fights alone. On the back. On the back. Yeah, I love that. And they're going to wear the uniforms, and then they're going to auction them off. Uh, after the game, and so the auction is happening on a, an app called Live Source. Yeah. So if you go on the app, and at the top there's a little thing for events, and you select Amarillo, Texas, and it's right there. So you can go on there right now and buy raffle tickets. So on, um, I found an article here from the local news in Amarillo, and uh, so there's a quote here. This has been a very emotional year for Lake, and his dad is going is currently undergoing round 32 of chemotherapy said Sod Poodles president and general manager, Tony Enzer. Friend of the podcast, Tony Enzer. We have heard about the courage Lake's father has had through this battle, and we see Lake giving his all in every start he makes for the team. Amarillo is Lake's home away from home, and so we are joining the fight with the Bakker family, and we invite our community to do the same. No one should fight this battle alone. This cause is much bigger than baseball. So if you don't want to auction off, if you don't want to be involved in one of the auctions, you definitely can go buy a raffle ticket and uh, and support it that way. So that's that's really cool. I wanted you guys to get out there to do that, or excuse me, wanted to get you guys uh, that information and get yeah, so it out there. Go on the Live Source app, buy some raffle tickets. I think they're like two bucks a piece for yeah. the raffle tickets. Yeah. So uh, contribute to a good cause, and if you get lucky, you might get a really cool jersey. Yeah, absolutely. Moving on, batting leadoff. Uh, so C.J. Abrams was in San Diego this last week getting tests on his shoulders. He is now. On the injured list. So did you hear about the play? About I haven't heard about what actually happened on the field. I did not. So it sounds like he was diving back into the bag, and he injured his shoulder in some way. Yeah. So I haven't seen the video about what happened or anything like that. All I know is that he was coming to San Diego to get looked at. Well, I've heard two things. I've heard impinged shoulder, which I've done, and also I have here is a left shoulder contusion. 
Okay. So it's it's tweaked. And I, I read somewhere something about a bone bruise. Yeah. Which is kind of, to me, that's kind of an undefined kind of an injury. Yeah, I've had a, I've had a shoulder impingement, and that's when you're, you basically your shoulder pinches a, a tendon or a nerve. Like, I couldn't move my arm. I, I dove for a ball actually playing in a tournament, and I couldn't, it was, the arm was dead. I couldn't, had no, no strength in it. Huh. Um, I don't know how bad he was hurt, but I know he's on the IL, and uh, that's going to be in another 10 days or so. Okay. Well, let's hope that C.J. Abrams is uh, is doing all right, because he had just gotten to, God, to Fort he just, Wayne. Dude, yeah. He only played a couple of games there, Yeah. and he was starting to get comfortable. He was. Uh, so we had tri- uh, Kel- um, Kelvin Alacar- Alarcon. Alarcon come up, called up from Tri-Cities to take over his, uh, his roster spot. Alarcon was hitting 256, 341, and 410. You know, so this is an opportunity for Kelvin because he's bounced around the last couple of years, hasn't really had a chance to – I mean, he's been given opportunities, but he right. hasn't done very well. Right. So now if he you know, has a, a good couple of weeks, a good month, maybe he has a chance to, to turn his career around. I mean, because at some point – He's 21, 22. He's, he's a little bit older for the for, – Yeah. Yeah, for so how long do these guys stick around? Because you start hearing about people getting released. Uh, I saw Aldemar Burgos just got released after coming up to, uh, to Lake Elsinore. Yeah. That they transferred somebody here and there wasn't room, so he got released, and he's been around for a few years. Well, I tweeted out last night, Tirso Ornelas was in the lineup last night. That's right. It was Tirso Ornelas. To make room for Tirso, Aldemar Burgos got released. So it was like his last chance to – make an impression and it it didn't it, it didn't, didn't stick it didn't stick so now kelvin arlo alarcon he's going to fort wayne it, maybe maybe he will uh, make that good impression that lets him stick around for a little while longer absolutely well that's the thing about uh, you know i didn't know too much about aldemar I, I i saw him in the dugout a lot you know in in uh, lake elsinore i uh, took some pictures sent him pictures have got i followed him since we signed him like four years ago um but then to see him release like damn dude like it's it's kind of sad when you see, we kind of get to know these guys and see him around a lot, and all of a sudden he's not there. Well, yeah, and so now what's his next option? Is he going to well, get picked up by somebody here? And that's what happens a lot. Someone else will pick him up. Someone needs organizational depth. Someone will give him a shot, and he'll start probably somewhere in the complex or, some, or get plugged right into a roster. I don't know. Or he goes back to whichever Latin American, I don't know his where he's from, right, right. but goes back to Venezuela, Dominican Republic, wherever he came from. Which, I mean, it's kind of, it's the end of a, it, it, it might be the end of his career, which is kind of sad. Yeah. But it we're not like, here to talk about sad stuff. No, we're not. But it's going to be a relaxed fit kind of podcast. Um, the, Roy here has had a couple of beverages. Uh, I'm doing this currently in a large room. Um, fat and happy with a nice You Kubana. sound like you're out of your element here. I am out of my element. And, well, I'm uh, nice and comfortable. We're sitting on a nice comfy couch here. Yeah, but I can't read Okay, so Austin Hartsfield's interview with Taylor Trammell. Yeah, I mentioned this last week, and we had a little bit snippet of some of the uh, interview he had with them before. Now, this is a little bit more in-depth, and it's really good. You want to read it? Sure. So, uh, Austin, we need to address the trade that got you here in Amarillo. We know the crazy way Jesse Winker found about it, uh, found out about it. Where were you when you were told about the deal, and what was your reaction? Taylor. I actually came out of the game in the last inning. After I came out, I was like, what in the world is going on? Everybody was smiling and stuff. I'm thinking I got called up to AAA or something like that. I had no idea. The first thing that went through my mind was somebody's playing a joke on me. I don't know what was going on. People were clapping for me. I was like, what in the world? After that, my manager, PK, Pat Kelly, 
came up to me and said, hey, congratulations, you've been traded. I was like, what? He said, yeah, you've been traded. I was like, all right. I had to go through that whole inning thinking about what was going to happen. After that, I was talking to Scott Moss, and we were making predictions on who it was. I didn't want to know until we got back into the locker room. I saw a whole bunch of texts, and they were congratulations and things like that. Uh, I still didn't see anything. I called my agent, and he said, he, and said, give me the scoop. He said, the Padres. I said, let's go. I love trade stories, man. I, 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 there is a, you know, a lot of players go like, ah, you know, you feel bad because one, you know, one organization doesn't want me, but another one does. So there's kind of like a give and take on getting traded. But I just love hearing the story. You got pulled out. He's like, what's going on? They're like, you got traded. Well, and also the thing to me is that, like, so Fran Mil Reyes, since he was 16, he was around the same group of guys. Yeah. So coming up with the same people, the same coaches and all of this stuff. Uh, I mean, I, I know from city to city that changes, but still, you're around the same players and it, you become family with a lot of these people. Absolutely. Well, and then you get traded and you get displaced. You have to go to a new place and make all new friendships and acquaintances. And even the clubhouse guys and all of that, you get to know these people. Everything. And it's uncomfortable and you're trying to play at an elite level. Uh, you're a professional, sure, but there is that emotional component to it that I think it throws you for a loop. Yeah. And it kind of did because he went one for 19 and it took him a little bit, cracking a bat in half. Um, which reminds me of a couple years back when, um, God, his name is failing me for the Mets. Uh, he was playing shortstop and, God. Uh, oh, Ruben Tejada. It was, was, that, was that who it was? It wasn't Ruben Tejada. No, it was uh, Flores. Yeah, Wilmer Flores. Wilmer Flores, yes. There was talk in the broadcast of him being traded. And he went and out he was to the still field. In the game. He was still in the game, and you see tears start welling up. I mean, it's an emotional process. And yeah, you know, we we had the meetup on Saturday, and and the the singing of the Whitney Houston song, and then we sent it to him. Uh, Jay Wash, the hitting coach for the Padres, wife was there, and said, "Oh my God, I'm going to make sure he gets this." And later that night, after it was posted, he had you know, "I love you guys." Yeah, he commented on on Angela's tweet. And it just, I mean, it hurt, hit her right in the heartstrings. Yeah, absolutely. And so, now everyone's marking the calendar for next season when the Cleveland Indians come this way. Well, actually, a bunch of us are going up to Anaheim in September. Oh, that's right. On September 9th, we're going to go up to Anaheim when the Indians are in town so we can go uh, go, go serenade Fran Mill and say hi great. to Brad Hand and Adam Simber. And Logan Allen just got called up today. Did you see that? No. Yeah, he's getting called up. Apparently, he's going to be pitching in relief for them. Nice. Yeah, so we'll see how long that goes. I, I know that their long-term plans are to get him into the rotation. Right, right. Um, so if he's still up next month, we get to say hi to him too. Anyway, so let's keep going with Austin's interview here. Absolutely. Um, so Austin asks, you don't have a lot of time to practice. How important are simple things like shagging fly balls and batting practice important in improving your game? Taylor, first of all, it's very important because you go through the season trying to figure out things to improve on. I think when you play every day, it's pretty much a practice, figuring out what you need to work on and all those things that go along with it. For example, like yesterday, what was a learning moment for me, you know? I got doubled up on a line drive that I thought was over his head. I got doubled up when I should have just froze. I take it as a practice moment for me. Practicing is working on things that you need to learn from. This was something I need to learn so that it doesn't happen in the future. And one of the things that I've heard about about Taylor is the the like the situational awareness and the, the baseball instincts. Right. So he makes those quick decisions. We saw him try to steal home in the Futures game. So he's an aggressive base runner. Yeah. But those are the moments where it's like you have to be thinking about it before it goes on. Like what happens if that hard hit line drive goes over my head? Well, you learn it in Little League. Freeze on a line drive. Yeah, well, or you learn it in 
double A, double A ball. <laughs> so hopefully you're not making those same mistakes at the major league well, level. And I love that aggressiveness, and and, and it's okay. Uh, and occasionally that's going to happen. Occasion, occasionally you're going to get a you know a nice secondary. The the second baseman's get a hard shot. You're not even going to have time to move before. He, you know, you get thrown out. Sure, that but, happens. But being aggressive like that is fine. Well, it's easier to teach somebody to dial it back than it is to try to teach somebody to be more aggressive. It's Ab- an instinct that you just you aren't born with. I, and that was always a thing when I was playing little league. Like I'd see a play happen, and it's like I watch it happen, and then I realize afterwards, oh wait, I should have done this. Right. But I'm not thinking it at the time, and that you know, as soon as I see, I mean, because you see what Tatis does, and he's looking at where a guy's weight is shifted. When a when a relay throw comes in, is he does he have his feet under him like he's going to turn and throw it quick, or is he just kind of receiving it and then he's going to turn around, and that's where he makes the decision to go. And it's just those little things. I, I th- that's it's it's beyond me. I'm not yeah. looking at that in the heat of the moment. But base- these guys are thinking so much faster than I am. And that's with for a 20 year old to have that much baseball acumen, IQ, and awareness. It's rare. And they talk about Bubba, or uh, I'm sorry, Taylor Trammell having the similar uh, similar kind of instincts. Oh, did you almost just say Bubba Trammell? I, I, you know, I keep He's doing He's had that. a few beers, folks. No, no, no. I keep, <laughs> like, throughout the day when I see, and I, I and I, my mind says Bubba Trammell. And I, right. who was Bubba Trammell? He was an outfielder for... The Padres in, like, 2009. Okay, did he ever make it to the big leagues? Yeah, dude, he hit bombs all the time. Okay, see, I was living in Portland at the time. So, I, you know, it was like, <laughs> I was I was living at a distance. I was a fan from afar. Okay. Okay, so moving on to the same interview, you said something very curious in an interview. You said, I could tell I'm locked by the way I'm taking pitches. Can you walk me through that, Taylor? So if I'm seeing the ball in the catcher's mitt, it's kind of a hard, it's hard to describe. You ever hear the term spitting on pitches? So yeah, if I'm spitting on pitches or I'm just seeing the ball out of the pitcher's hand really well, I know I'm locked in right now. Then walks go up and on base goes up and guys get more RBIs. It's like I help the team out a lot more when I'm on base. So it gives me a chance to help those guys get their numbers up and get them better pitches if I'm on base. When I'm locked in, then I'm locked. I'm looking at pitches, and I'm like saying in my mind, I don't even want to deal with that because I know what you're trying to do. Well, so plate discipline is something that's supposed to have been his calling card, You know, one of his strengths coming up. Absolutely. So he's, this year he's been drawing a lot of walks. The contact hasn't quite been there. The power hasn't quite been there. Well, I but, like, but the plate discipline is something that's hard to teach. Yeah. All the tools are there, and that's what, that's what Preller likes. He likes the tools with him. Um, what I like is, like, he, he wants to, the, the contribution, you don't hear a guy say that a lot. Like, I want to help other guys get their numbers up. I want to help other guys get pitches by me taking a secondary, looking like I'm going to steal, making a havoc on the base pass. He talks the same way about, I think in the same article, um, about defense. Like, I want to keep these guys' ERAs down. They're out there busting their tail. I'm gonna go die. I'm gonna go get it. Good. You know what I mean. And well, that baseball's a team sport. Absolutely. So if you help the other guys out, eventually it comes around and it helps you out, right? Yeah. Abs- I mean, because if you have that same attitude, that also means that the other guys on their team are gonna be busting their butts to try to get on base for you. Maybe you get RBIs as a result, or you get on base. You come around, score runs. I mean, the guy who just scored the runs getting just as many high fives as the guys that knocked him in. Absolutely. And well, and. For myself, as a guy who played center field, like I prided on, I'm not a fast guy, but I got a good first step and I had a good read of the ball. I, I love catching it in the gap. You know, I love chasing down fly balls in the outfield and, you know, having the pitcher do the little dude, you're the man. Um, absolutely. But moving on, and this is kind of old news 
Friend of the podcast, Joey Cantilla, was promoted to Lake Elsinore. The move coincided with Luis Patino's move up to Amarillo. This little article that Dylan Sin from the Journal Gazette wrote with, with Joey, and this is a quote, People say this all the time, but obviously I learned so much in Fort Wayne, Cantillo said. You grow as a person and as a player and as a pitcher. There's a lot of things I'll remember. True story. Manager Anthony Contreras called Cantillo went to the office uh, Wednesday night and began with a joke, telling his star pitcher that the organization needed him to do a charity event in California and Cantillo would need to fly to Lake Elsinore as soon as possible. Cantillo Cantillo realized what was happening and broke into a smile. The promotion caught me off, Cantillo said. It feels good with all my hard work and everything. It's good to finish off the year on an exciting note and see where things go. Okay, so he didn't give up he didn't give up more than three runs in any of his final fifteen starts with the tin caps. In those fifteen starts since May third, Cantillo went nine and one with a one point two five ERA, hundred and nine strikeouts and only eighteen walks. Overall, despite those two rough outings in April, he has had a 1.93 ERA with 128 strikeouts. It hasn't been smoke and mirrors to get there either. His fielding independent pitching, a stat that is de- designed to be the same uh, same scale as ERA but takes luck out of the equation, is 2.16, the best in the league by more than three-quarters of a run. That's kind of the pitcher I can be, Cantillo said in June when his hot streak was already in full swing. More people are seeing what I can do when I'm throwing the ball over the plate, and I'm clear-minded, and my stuff can take over. As good as it's been, I don't think I've always necessarily had my best stuff. There's much more room for improvement. Yeah, and we've seen this with... So I, I kind of feel like Mackenzie Gore, Luis Patino, and Joey Cantillo are, are... are I mean, really, with these transactions, they're, they're falling in order like a dominoes yeah. because they shut Mackenzie Gore down. And then at the same time, they called Luis Patino up. At the same time, they called Joey Cantillo up. But all three of them are kind of the same way that they're going out there. They're not necessarily having their best stuff, and they're succeeding with it. Exactly. So I saw, now I should have taken note of this, uh, there was an article I read today with some interview from, um, from Patino when he was talking about learning to become a pitcher, that he's 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 understanding that he just he can't just go out there and blow guys away it's not about velocity it's not about just having nasty stuff it's about having the right location the right pitch selection at the right moment in time and he's shown a lot of growth through this year where he'll get into a jam and he can settle himself down and work through it where at the beginning of the season that wasn't necessarily there well and that actually that article got edited that was um austin hartsfield that had the article with him learning. I, I'm learning how to pitch. I'm not just throwing gas by these guys. And we'll we'll talk about both Joey's and Joey's and Luis's uh, outing here in a minute. But Cantillo's outing, or uh, sorry, Luis Patino's outing. He was throwing. He was using all the pitches: changeup, slider, the fastball. He threw a ton of pitches, and we'll go deeper into this in a minute. But he was pitching. It's double A. They're not going to chase the high outside, you know, the outside slider. They're not going to chase the high cheese. These advanced haters are going to get their pitch. All right. So next on here, you've got Kevin Charity of Mad Friars doing a profile of Tin Cap Ethan Skender. Yeah. And in my brief time in Fort Wayne, I became an Ethan Skender fan big time. He's a he's a nice kid. He's a a personable guy. Uh, but then while we were there, he also had a couple of great games. And we were there right after he got called up. So in retrospect, I'm wishing that I had talked to him a little bit. Uh, but anyway, so Kevin Charity. The Padres drafted Skinder out of junior college in Florida 
in the 28th round in 2016 and paid him $465,000 to bypass his commitment to Arizona State. He was the last player from that draft class to sign. Perhaps fittingly, he was also the last signed player to see game action. Now 22, he's missed the last two and a half years with knee ailments that resulted in three different surgeries. Finally, in 2019, Skender is healthy and showing that his talent was worth the wait. Quote, my goal was to play professional baseball eventually, said Skender. I wanted to go to Arizona State, but the Padres gave me the opportunity to play baseball professionally, and I was very fortunate. I'm in a very good spot. If I didn't have all the knee surgeries, who knows where I would be right now? I'm very grateful to the Padres for the opportunity. The second surgery was called an allograft surgery. I basically had a hole in my kneecap. They took cartilage and bone, just a small piece of it, and replaced it with a bone and cartilage from a cadaver. I was pretty grateful. Obviously, the family that got that cartilage and the bone from lost someone really close to them, so I was grateful to the family. I wrote them a really long letter. Obviously, they just went through a lot, and I feel absolutely terrible for them, but they just wrote in the letter, I'm sorry you went through all of that, but at the same time, your loved one has given me the chance to keep playing the game that I love. I couldn't be more grateful to that person and their family. I did get a response. It was very soon after. It was a pretty short response, which I understand. They didn't give me much information. She just thanked me for writing the letter, so it was a special moment. I have the letter hung up in my room. I was hoping one day to maybe get in contact with them and get that family out to some games. He was determined to get back on the field and to show the organization what they had in him. Quote, Ethan persevered through countless hours of rehab, said Ben Sistanovich, the Padres' director of player development. There were some stops and starts along the way, but Ethan and our medical group deserve a lot of credit for continuing to push forward. We're all excited for him to see him back on the field. Being in the Midwest League is really cool because I get to because I grew up going to Peoria Chiefs games. <laughs> said Skender, rad? which is funny because that's who they came. Anyway, yeah. Uh, quote: My family was able to come out and see me play. Obviously, they haven't seen me play in two and a half years, so it meant a lot for them to see me play. Through his first 19 games with the Tin Caps, Skender is hitting 307, 366, 400 with a homer and three stolen bases. For now, his continued health is the number one goal going forward. So he got to make his professional debut against the Peoria Chiefs, the team that he grew up watching. Watching, right? <laughs> yeah, that is super cool. That is so cool. I love the story. Reaching out to the family. I mean, it's just a piece of your kneecap, but you know, someone, like you said, someone lost someone, and just reaching out to them, uh, just... It tugs at my heartstrings. I, 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 I love those stories. I love the sentiment. I love the romance of it. True. Yeah. And and regardless if he becomes a major league player or not, being able to continue uh, playing a professional sport at a high level and continuing to develop um, is so huge. And you know, the the kind of the over romantic guy in me goes like, well, the family should just come and watch the game or you know they should answer back like oh you're so welcome here's this but no they lost someone and yeah we don't, we don't know what kind of this. tragedy right i mean it could have been we don't know how old or any of that and who knows exactly. what they were going through but yeah. the fact that they were able to check that the organ donor box yeah and that that they're helping somebody else go on and live a successful life and follow and pursue their dreams so when you renew your driver's license, make sure you check that little box that says organ donor. I do. I have one of the real, I have the real driver's license and I have an organ donor. So you might give somebody the gift of sight or a heart or a kidney or or a, a piece of cartilage for their kneecap. Certainly not a way to tweet, though. <laughs> True. <laughs> I can't spell. 
Uh, moving on. So this is going to be a little, we're, now we're an affiliate rundown. We're starting with El Paso. Um, Do we have to talk about Ty France again? Dude, and, and I still like, oh my God, it's just, it's crazy. So Saturday, Ty France hit a three-run home run in the second inning, coming back from an 0-2 count to drive the pitch over the right center field wall for his 27th homer of the year. He also clubbed a pair of doubles. He also clubbed a pair of doubles. Oh, by the way, um, each part of this ridiculous 406, 482, 790 slash line leads all of full season baseball. On the year, France has 55 extra base hits against 48 strikeouts. So I was reading, I, I heard the other day that El Paso just broke the record for most home runs in a season for a AAA ball club. Yeah. And there's still like a month left to go oh, in the absolutely. season. Absolutely. Playing on the moon. But Ty France is chasing 400. This is going to be one of the biggest stories in baseball. I, w- I mean, I know Major League Baseball takes takes the main stage, but still, nobody's hit 400 in the minors, or at least in AAA, since like 1996 or 98, something like that. Oh, I, I don't know, but there's got to be. I mean, he's played all season there. He was only up with the team for, what, three weeks, maybe a month? Yeah, I, I so I, I like two gotta, paychecks. I've got to figure that he's got enough at bats to qualify for the and, and for the batting ex- title, and really, and for it to be extraordinary. Oh yeah, like that's it, ball or not ball or wherever wherever they're playing, and still you still have to hit the ball. Oh yeah, yeah, and he's he's hitting for average, hitting for power, and he's also playing really good defense. He's been starting at second base most of the last week. Okay, so the rest of this is all uh, El Pony. So for the double yesterday, Esteban yeah, yeah, yeah. double <laughs> yesterday, Esteban Quiroz batting second in the lineup hit a bases loaded double in the first inning. His line drive to center capped an eight run first inning, and the Chihuahuas coasted to a series sweep of the PCLs, winning his team from there. Wait, did you say that he was batting second in the lineup, and yeah. yet he hit a bases loaded double in the first inning? That's what it reads. Oh, they hit around. Yeah, they scored eight runs in that inning. All right, can I put you on the spot on something? Yes. The term hitting around, does that require nine batters or ten? Uh, do we have time for this debate? Have, have you put some thought into this debate? I know uh, I'm catching a blindsided with it. And that's fine because I've seen it on Twitter and it's been discussed at the major league level. This is something uh, I care when, quite a bit about. When you're batting around, you have to bat nine batters. So is it just that the ninth batter? If the ninth batter comes up, that's bat, you've batted around. If you bat eight, that's not batting around. I believe it's ten. I think the ninth batter has to complete his right, plate right, appearance. Right. And yeah. then the tenth batter has to start his. He has to step in the box. Okay. So he, the ninth hitter can't make an out. That's my opinion. Woo! That's my position. That's a little bit of cutting hairs, bro. So if you're keeping score in the scorebook, yeah, right, yeah. and you've got your column, yeah, and you get to the ninth batter, and he makes the last out, your scorebook continues just the way that it was. But as soon as the tenth batter steps in, you have to move over. A you've line. got to move everything over yeah. a column. Interesting. So, you, in my opinion, you haven't you haven't gotten back to where you started until that tenth batter steps into the box. Yeah. Now we don't need to even need to see a pitch. You can have a pickoff and the runners out, and so be it. But the tenth batter has to be announced. The tenth batter. Okay. All, All right. right. Back Good. onto the rails. Good take. So moving on. So those eight runs were scored on only four hits. Pony has now uh, three consecutive multi-hit games and has raised his season average to 227, 385, 548. The Padres acquired Kiro's in the offseason from the Boston Red Sox. You know, before the season, we were talking about him and Ty France, like who's going to be our third baseman Right. before Manny Machado came along. Right, and we were like, okay, if if Ty takes third, Kiro's is going to get second until Luis comes up, or until Fernando comes up because Luis is going to play shortstop, who played 
excellent shortstop today. That's what I heard. I didn't get to watch the game, but I've, I've heard that. And we've watched, I've watched plenty of that in, in uh, El Paso, watched them in double-A. Like, the kid can play solid to above average, and that's not just a fan saying this. This is evaluators. These are people in the business going, you can play above average shortstop. Baseball America had an article where they were, I think they took a survey of all the managers in each in each level of the of the minors, yeah, and uh, all the managers picked Luis Arias as the best defender at shortstop in the AAA. Yeah, woo! Kid can play. Kid can play. Wicho, Wicho has been has been he's uh, <laughs> been freed. Free Wicho. <laughs> he has been freed and he is running amok. Yes, he is. So for the triple, also yesterday, uh, catcher Austin Allen also continues to hit his fourth multi-hit game in a week brings his lineup to 303, 363. 585 for the season while a 645 OPS is limited in limited big league action early this summer didn't show especially well the left-handed power threat is the rare catcher who has been an above average offensive performer at every stop in the minors we're going to go into a home run here in a minute but Austin Allen's time up in the big league I also thought he was very comfortable. He didn't look overmatched. He, he had just, a lot of good at-bats. He just didn't get the time to really get his feet underneath him. I think I only got 10 starts. Yeah. So what are you going to do with that? Yeah. You know, and you're focusing on catching, on learning your, your pitchers, uh, figuring out how to game plan at the major league level. There's a whole lot of work that he's doing. On top of, like, you're in the major leagues and you're still freaking out, kind of. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of that. So, I, you know, so there's all of this talk of, when are we going to trade, guys? What are we going to do? Or, you know, how are we going to make this work? Like, as this year rolls around into 20, this year wasn't the year to trade for Syndergaard. This year wasn't the year to get DeGrom. No matter what you say, we're not there yet. We want to make sure that when we make that trade, that we're going to be expending some hardcore capital, prospect capital, to get that Scherzer, to get that Garrett Cole. He's a free agent. But, you know, to get that top-of-the-line, no-doubt, lights-out pitcher. Well, and Austin Allen is that kind of piece. Yeah, that absolutely. At every level he's hit. And the yeah. question has always been, can he stay at catcher? And then every year he comes back and impresses guys that he's farther along than we thought he would yeah. be. And now this year, I, you know, I haven't seen any evaluators write up what they think of his job as a catcher at the AAA level. But I'm sure that the scouts are looking at it and you're getting news from the pitchers and the, you know, the coaches in, in – uh, Oh, absolutely. In El Paso and the other teams looking at him. Absolutely. He looked pretty good behind the plate in his short time in the, in the big leagues. Yeah. He looked the, like he belonged. He looked like he was doing okay. The receiving was pretty good. The blocking was pretty good. So I get that he's a big dude. 6'4". Yeah, he's 6'4". And they, they say the hardest thing for that is framing the receiving the low pitches. But he was doing a pretty good job of it while he was here. Absolutely. And if out of anybody in the Padres organization, the robo-ump would help him, you know, the automated strike zone yeah. would help him more than just about anybody. It would. And there was talk, what was I, who was I listening to? I listened to some podcast that was talking about the Padres, talking about going out in the offseason and getting a catcher. Yeah, there's been talk about that. I, I Mejia is hitting the cover off the ball right now. Yeah. And he's all of a sudden starting to look pretty good behind the plate. Yeah. I'm a huge Austin Allen fan, or Austin Hedges fan, so I uh, he's a great backup catcher. Yeah. So if he's okay with being a backup catcher, I don't know what Scott Boris has to say about that, but if he's okay being a backup catcher, then you just roll with those two guys, and then you've got Torrens and Allen backing them up. So you could argue that one of those guys is surplus value, maybe a trade chip, but it's, it's going to be an interesting postseason to see 
what they do this offseason. Exactly. The winter meetings are going to be really exciting. Oh, yeah, which are here this year. Which are here this year and which I'm hoping to uh, see if we can't participate in some way or somehow. We're going to have to at least go down there and sit with, like, some surveillance equipment and try to. Well, I'm going to go down there with the podcast stuff, and we're going to find Lance Brozdowski. Yeah, we're going to find Jason Panini. You know how on the, on the football they have on the sidelines? They've got those All microphones right. with, the, with the dish around it. <laughs> so maybe we can sit there and, like, zoom in on what's Brody Van Wagenen saying about but you know what we're gonna hear? We're gonna hear probably going. Yeah, there's a, there's a deal at Olive Garden, so we're gonna meet at the Olive Garden. Probably gonna talk to trade there. Yeah, I've got a lifetime pass to Olive Garden. We're gonna go to Olive Garden. Hey, look, everyone, we're we're getting way off the base. Anyways, on me. Let's finish up Chihuahuas here with the home run, and this is excellent. So El Paso tweeted, "El Ponies," and for those of you that don't know, that's Esteban Quiro's pinch hit walk off grand slam. Not only completed the largest comeback in team history. Nine runs, largest ninth inning comeback in team history, seven runs, and capped off the most runs in an inning, 10. It set the new PCL modern era team record for HRs for 232. Crazy. And that was Friday. Oh, my God. What a comeback. So this 10 from- runs in an inning, <laughs> and he capped it off with a walk-off <laughs> grand slam. Walk. Did you see the tweet? They won by, by They won by three. Yeah. It was 12 to 15 was the Jesus final score. Christ. And I thought I watched a good game in Fort Wayne when I was there. Yeah. Which, by the way, Ethan Skender is the guy that stole home to, to score the game-winning run. Really? Oh, my God. He was so jacked up after that game. We're going to talk to that guy in the offseason. We need to. Yeah. yeah. We went down through the tunnel, and I was walking up into the dugout right after the game ended, and he was just, he was just beaming. So, I mean, great for Pony Carros. What, is, what an awesome year he's having. Oh, I hope that he gets the reward from in some way to, you know, for a because the guy's had a great year. Yeah, he can play second and yeah. third base very well. He can play shortstop in a pinch, and he's and he's hitting everything. Yeah, now, I know AAA stats aside, and he's twenty six. A little bit, he's he's age appropriate. Yeah, well, he's a little bit older. Yeah, but he spent a decade in the Mexican league. Yeah, and then Boston picked him up, and he's not, he's doing nothing but hit. Yeah, play good defense. Was that for Colton Brewer? I think oh, that was yeah. the trade. So we got more to talk about on this. So this came from Donovan's the Ch- getting mad at me. Well, this is a whole thing because it's a whole thing. Uh, the Chihuahuas, a pass of Chihuahuas, scored ten runs in the bottom of the ninth Friday to extend the Round Rock Express fifteen to twelve. Esteban Quiroz was the eleventh batter of the inning and hit a walk-off grand slam, the sixth walk-off homer in Chihuahuas history, and was the first walk-off grand slam since Jake Lemmerman, Lemon Lemonin. Lemmerman. Lemmerman uh, on May 5th, 2014. The 10 runs set her new team record. Here's some interesting facts that came from Mad Friars. To make things more bizarre, position player Matthew Batten ended up getting a win after pitching what was seemingly a mop-up inning in the ninth inning. So he gets a W after just being like, all right, dude, just do your thing. He gets the win. So it's the second time in Chihuahua's history that a position player got a pitching win. Mike McCoy on June 14th, 2015 versus Sacramento. And you know who Mike McCoy is? He is the manager of the Tri-Cities Dust Devils. He is the manager of the Tri-Cities Dust Devils, and he played his last season with for the El Paso Chihuahuas. For the El Paso Chihuahuas. Not to be confused with Mike McCoy, former uh, manager of that team that no longer plays in San Diego. Yeah, playing the one sport that we live next to the building that they play in. That's a big, giant eyesore. Moving on. I like keeping it in the family with Mike McCoy. Right. That's so rad. When I saw that, I'm like, holy cow. And I looked it up. I'm like, oh, my God, it was him. Um, the dramatic victory also halted a five-game losing streak for the Chihuahuas. Austin Allen hit a 16th homer of the year as a part of a two-hit night. The slugger has been 
309-371-600. Third baseman Jason Vossler connected on a homer and drove in four runs in the Chihuahua victory. Vossler now needs three more homers, 3-20, for the third consecutive year. And here comes the bad news. Brian Mitchell started that game. Oh, he completed five innings, which is good. He allowed nine earned runs, which is bad, on ten hits with five walks. He failed to notch any strikeouts. Boy, they're just really stringing him along because they keep sending him out there, and he keeps getting lit up. i got to figure that the end of the road is near for him. Are they just going to let him sit through the season? He's on a 40-man, right? He's on the 40-man? No, no, he's off the 40-man. They designated him for assignment before this year. Okay, so he's just feeling right now. He's Yeah, he's on a minor league contract. So, yeah, I guess they have team control over him for – however that works right you've got seven years of control over minor leaguers but i mean i can't imagine that you're going to keep him around the way that he's been pitching this year no this is probably gonna be the last season with after the end of this year they'll just won't sign him he's just eating innings up moving on to amarillo for the single taylor trammell is off to a tough start in the padres organization through his first 10 games and obviously small sample size he's hitting just 179 with 13 strikeouts and 44 plate appearances the organization is going to run him out there in center field and bat him lead out for the rest of the season to find out what they have. So any changes that they had, any ideas that they have to improve him about like mechanics, approach, whatever, that's all going to take time to set in. Oh, absolutely. So maybe give him some stuff to work on now. When the offseason comes, you give him a whole list of, you know, here's what we want you to work on. I wonder if he's going to play fall ball or a winter ball in some capacity. And has he played in the AFL? I, I don't know. I haven't looked at that. And those tweets are coming out of Prospects Live of Christmas list of who they, like, who was it, Jason Panini, who he wants to see uh, in the AFL. Oh, I wonder I'm who sure. the Padres are going to have in the AFL. We've been looking at the schedule. We're going to try to get the, the AFL. They moved it earlier this year. They did. It's not even at the end of the minor league, it's during the minor league season. Well, it's right at the end of the minor league season. It's like the end of September is when it starts up because it used to run into November. Yeah. And now it's over before the end of October because. You would get the end of the minor league season, and then there was like two to four weeks of downtime, and then the guys would go out to Arizona to play the fall league. Yeah, which so now they're weird. they're gonna have them roll straight into that. So it's like the you know some guys are going to fall instructs, some guys are gonna go play in the AFL. Uh, so Angela and I are hoping to make it out there when all that stuff's going on this year. Well, and you came in, you're gonna go at a good time because they just changed all the logos for every team. Oh, did they? Yeah, they've. Uh, so the Javelinas have a new logo. The Javelinas have a new logo. It doesn't look much different than the last one. Okay. The Saguaros have one. They, the, I think it's the Scorpions. Um, yeah. They all have a new logo. Oh, I got to check that out. Same name, different logo. Or okay. Same name, newer logo. That means that the uh, the the hat club guys are going to need to get some new hats. Yeah, absolutely. So for the double, Ronald Bolanos gave up five runs over five innings after back to back strong outings. The righty who will turn twenty three later this month had a deep. Has a deep repertoire that can get plenty of swings and misses, but he's often hittable in the zone. While a strikeout rate has climbed at such at each successive level, when his command is off, as a result, like Sundays, he gets lit. Well, you know who doesn't get lit is Luis Patino. He does not. No, no. Picante made his debut in the Double A. So yesterday, Patino struck out seven in four point two innings, but he walked four. He never had a one-two-three inning, and he needed one hundred and two pitches to get through. After walking 12 in his first three Cal League games in April, Patino had walked more than two batters only once in his final 15 outings for the Storm. In the fifth inning Tuesday, the 19-year-old righty got two quick outs, then loaded the bases with two walks and a single before giving way. A fielding error and a single played at all three runs, though they didn't impact Patino's ERA. I watched the first two innings of that, and once again, he just he pitched. He threw, he threw high, 
high 90s fastball, devastating slider, just knee-buckling changeup. Uh, but he threw a lot of pitches, and and that's the uh, that's where development's going to come in. That's where the economy of learning how to pitch, you know, being aggressive in the zone is going to really benefit him because 102 pitches in four innings, geez, that that's that's big. Well, it's nice to see him throw 102 pitches, but in four innings, that's just that's way too many. Yeah, well, now he's facing guys that have the the recognition yeah. that they can spit on a pitch, they can foul a bunch of pitches off, they can really make him work for it. Yeah, absolutely, and that's just one start in Double A. You know, we're going to get get into it here in a minute, but same thing with Joey Cantillo. It's one start in a new level. Throw it away, learn from it, and let it go. Oh, yeah. No, this the whole rest of the season for these guys is just like a little bit of um, – like they're, they're being tempered. Yeah. They're, they're – you know, it's it's they're learning how to grow a little bit of a callus at that level. Yeah. And then they'll come back next year, probably start at the same level they're at now with a little bit of experience under their wing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, moving on to Lake Elsinore – Single, for the single, Friday shortstop Gabriel Arias scored a pair of runs and drove in one. The shortstop has been arguably the hottest hitter in the entire system since July 1. Arias is hitting a blistering 356, 396, 504 slash line with a much much more manageable 18.8K rate. Prior to July, Arias was striking out 29% of the time. And he doesn't turn 20 until next February. He's still so young. Dude, he's so young. He feels like he's been around for God, forever. He, he has been. He was playing He was playing at Fort Wayne two years ago at 17. When they brought Tatis up, when they took Tatis up from Fort Wayne, Gabriel Arias is the guy who, who took his spot. And yet he's the same age as Tatis. Oh, my God. That's, cr- that's crazy. That's crazy. Um, you know, and I mentioned that if, if that bat is real, if it continues for the season, going into the next season – you know, in 2020, trade deadline 2021, he'll still be incredibly young. He'll still be in the system. Is I don't think he's eligible for Rule 5 draft until after next year. After 2020 or 21? Yeah. So we still have two more years of team control, for, for lack of a better term. Uh-huh. Um, but I definitely see him. You know, it's a great backup. Just in case Tatis goes down. I mean, yeah, sure, you have Wicho. Sure, you have, uh, well, you don't have Ty France, but, you know, he's... Um, well, he's he, a good, he started to play some third base too. Absolutely, uh, it's a good piece to have, and I think if that bat sticks, the defense is there. Oh, for sure. If the bat sticks, there's definitely a trade piece there, and you put him together with another couple prospects that are that are really good that we're just chock full of in our system, and you go out and you know throw in a major league player, boom, you got yourself a top of the line starter. And to your wife's point, he has great hair. Great hair, good looking kid too. So uh, also in that game, left-handed Aaron Lacher which I learned when I talked to him this last weekend up in uh, the Inland Empire. So it's not Leisure. No. <laughs> I'm like, so how do you pronounce your name? He's like, Leisure. So I'm like, okay, ready? Three, two, one. So we're here with Aaron Leisure. Oh, geez. Damn it. I did it like twice, dude. <laughs> I, I did it like twice. And he's like, he just, he was really good. Um, I have that interview. I'm going to do some more interviews this weekend. I'm sure it's like, call me whatever you want. Just don't call me late for dinner. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever podcast guy, just I need to go. Although we did it inside, we did it up in the uh, up in the hospitality suite, and it was nice and cool, and it was hot as hell outside. So it was nice to get a little break. Um, anyways, I'm gonna talk. I have his interview. I'm gonna talk to hopefully gonna talk to Doug Banks, the hitting coach for the Lake Elsinore Storm, and gonna check in with Joey Cantillo on Sunday, which we've all discussed about this whole weekend it being a weekend of the storm, right? Yeah. I close on Saturday, but I think I'll be we're there going Friday. To all three games, right? I'll be there Friday and Sunday. And you're throwing out the first pitch on Friday. Hey, don't let the news out. 
Yeah, uh, we're, we're going to throw the first pitch out. Dude. That's, well, I got that Black Friday deal last year. Yeah. This has nothing to do with any special privilege. There was a Black Friday I'll deal. H.J. Preller. Yeah. No, this was it came with like four opening day tickets and ten other tickets to use throughout the season and a hat. And there's a little ticket in there for first pitch. Oh, hey, I get to throw out a first pitch. That's cool. That's fantastic. Yeah. So Aaron Lesher, the, the southpaw, threw six innings and just allowed one earned run. Lesher is lights out since the All-Star break in 50-second half innings. He has a 1.44 ERA with 49 strikeouts. That's impressive. Very impressive. And that's another guy who you I think is a sixth or ninth round pick. You know, that just you kind of draft him like he should be good. He's doing all right. He's getting it done. Did you read the Mart the Mad Friars interview with Mark Connor? Uh, yes, I did. Yeah, that was really interesting. And they were talking about that. That like this year, same thing. In the in the second half of the second day, which is rounds like six through nine, it's just they a whole bunch of pitchers and go out there and throw a bunch of strikes. Just fill up the strike zone, get a bunch of experience, and show us what you got. And that's where you wind up with these guys. You get a couple of guys that pop up, and who knows? You know, maybe he'll be the next. Eric Lauer, the next, you know, somebody like that. Yeah, you get some you get mechanics worked on, you get some velocity up, and anything can happen. That's what I love about baseball. It's just, it doesn't matter when you get picked. I mean, obviously, the higher picks, you get a better chance. You get a longer leash when you don't do well. Um, or a longer leash. Longer leash. As in lesher. <laughs> Not to be confused with Hesher. Moving on, <laughs> double. For the double, Xavier Edwards left the Midwest League hitting 336, 395, 414, November 28th. Uh, no, uh, now, sorry, 28 games into his California League tenure, Edward, who's, Edwards, who turns 20 August 2nd, is hitting 345, 386, and 378. He has nine stolen bases and 10 attempts. But tonight, he had his only his third extra base hit, and all of them triples. In the first 132 plate appearances since his promotion. Well, I think he only got one home run in Fort Wayne. Yeah, so I saw that one. he's straight out of high school. All right, this is his first full year pro ball out of high school. So you got to figure that the kid's going to grow. He's going to put on a little bit of muscle. Yeah. But power isn't his calling card. It's contact, plate discipline, speed. So the fact that he's posting pretty much identical numbers at AAA, or at, at uh, advanced single A than he was in Fort Wayne... So he was hitting 336. Now he's hitting 345. His on base was 395. His on base now is 386. That's a couple of plate appearances across the course of a month to make the difference between those numbers. Absolutely. So he's doing the same thing here that he was doing there. So that's that's a great sign that yeah. what he's doing plays. Yeah. And the defense is legit. You can put him anywhere, second, third, shortstop, and he's going to be just fine. Yeah, I caught him up this last week up in uh, on Sunday. I was off and Liddy was doing stuff. So I knew Julie Cantilla was going to start. Oh, you went to Inland Empire. Yeah. And I drove up there, and, and Scott Pelé, I thought it was Scott Peel because the way he spells it, I uh, said, yeah, dude, come on up. You know? <laughs> and so we <laughs> – I'm sorry, guys. So what does Scott do? So he's the assistant GM for the Inland Empire 66ers. Okay. Uh, he said, come on up. And, you know, email Steve Went, the, the broadcast guy. I went up there, and Joey was pitching. Uh I took a bunch of pictures. I talked to Aaron Lasher. Um, but Edwards just, he, he's just a ball player. You know, played really good second base. I uh, think he got, he did get, he got caught stealing. But in one out, you know, when at bat, he hit you the know, ball. You know, I've been caught stealing once, once when, when I was five. five. <laughs> and enjoy stealing, man. No, but, so your interview with Xavier, with Xavier back in spring training. Yeah. He's such a, such a sharp 
bright guy. His yeah. aunt, his responses came so quick, yeah. and his mind seems to work at a, at a different gear. Yeah. So it's like he's thinking as fast as his legs can move. Yeah, and when I talked to him again, just for a brief minute, uh, a couple of weeks back, a couple of episodes back, uh, he was much more relaxed. I mean, he was he was pretty dears in the headlights, much like ourselves were, but he was much more relaxed. He had a smile on his face, and I'm like, like, dude, I really didn't really think I had had anything for you. And I, whatever questions, I don't even remember what I asked him, but he was like, yeah, you know, he was really friendly, relaxed. He was, you know, in a new league, uh, you know, really early into that new league. So he was, he's, he's going to be a good player. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I, I like the that, that he can go somewhere else and adapt right away. Yeah. And just pick up right where he left off. There's no adjustment. So moving on to the triple, well, Joey Cotillo made his debut. Congratulations, Joey. Absolutely. And once again, it was one start in a new league and all that comes with it, the emotions you know i was out there early taking pictures of him right up in his face and after a minute i'm like that's kind of a douche move like just let him do his thing uh, but well, i wanted to go out and say he went out and said hello he's like hey i didn't know it was you okay well he's got to figure out new living arrangements you right. know you travel out here you bring all your stuff with you i don't know if he's with a host family or or what so sleeping on a different bed and all that stuff so there's a lot of there's a whole bunch of change that happens when you make that kind of a move. Right. And he had only been up for maybe a week before his start. Within a week, he was already starting. So there was all that, and this is pretty much how it went. He loaded the bases in the bottom of the first, but worked out of it by striking out the side. <laughs> and let me tell you, I'll stop here. That changeup dude is Bugs Bunny-esque. Yeah? Like, his fastball looks good. It was, you know, right around 90-ish. The, 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 the radar gun for the Inland Empire would you know, like 45 on a changeup, but you know wasn't right. But you saw the separation between the fastball and the changeup; it was filthy. It was it was all you you know, your eyes got to adjust when you're so close. As someone just watching it from the side, you're like, oh my god, that was a changeup! Holy cow, it's real. So once he gets comfortable, I think he's just going to continue to take off and continue with the success that he has because of the pitch mix and he has the you know he I don't know where he hit. I thought I saw 93. Once again, I don't know if it's it's true. Well, he hit 94 in Fort Wayne. He hit 94 in Fort Wayne. I think here at uh, Mad Friars, they had said it was 89-91, which is fine. But once he gets comfortable and gets that velocity up a little bit, it's going to be legit. Well, and he's 20. He just put on a bunch of weight Dude, in the offseason. He just graduated high school, right. Yeah, and then he's working. We saw that he was Lance Brozdowski put out that thing about the band with the weight and yeah. all that that he was working on. So you know that he's trying to increase his strength, learn how to use his lower body more. So you've got to think that there's a chance he's going to put on another couple ticks. Yeah. But the velocity isn't really what to focus on. Right. Like you said, this is separation. Because guys can be successful, especially lefties, working in the low 90s if they've got the secondary stuff and the command to make it all work. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we then retired the side. Then we tried 9 out of the 10 next hitters, but then gave up a homer, two more hits, and a walk in the fifth. The big lefty hadn't walked four in a game since a start in April 26th. Cantillo needed 81 pitches to get through four and a third innings. The 19-year-old is the youngest pitcher to appear in the Cali game this year. Dude, really, he, I mean, he was drafted last year at high school. Well, and you know who, so he's the youngest pitcher to appear in a Cal League game. You know who's the second youngest pitcher to appear in a Cal League game this year? Luis Patino. Luis Patino. Luis Patino. Yeah. So, and it's funny, I think I heard Sam say this about uh, the Midwest League. is like, it's hard to get teenagers out of the Midwest League. Huh. And I think he was talking about hitters. Are pit- I don't know what he was talking about, but I remember him specifically saying that. I'm like, dude, we got like, they're, 
we could through busting at the seams in Fort Wayne to get into Lake Elsinore. Well, they got a whole roster full of teenagers. Oh, my God. So does Lake Elsinore, for that matter. <laughs> but the, the Padres are a slightly different organization. That's yeah. all the talent and the depth of talent yeah. and how young and how good these guys are. Yeah. Well, if you guys didn't hear that, the Hell's Bells girls just finished up. But we're still going, and we're moving on to Fort Wayne. So, Friday's game against the South Bend Cubs. The Cubs, this is interesting. I was watching this game. So the Cubs pitcher was dealing. Then in the fourth, the umpires went out to the mound, talked to him, took his glove, and he walked off the field. Dylan Sin tweeted he was hiding pine tar in his glove, and the coach didn't protest too much. Yeah, this is something that people are doing all around baseball, trying to get a little extra grip. It's just don't be obvious about it, well, right? You, right, but don't do it in A ball. I guess well, that's what you're going to learn it somewhere. Well, I mean, we sit right by the bullpen, right? Okay. And I see there's a can of bullfrog spray um, sunscreen, and you see a whole bunch of guys. They'll take that, and they'll spray the back of their arm with it. They'll take the rosin bag. They'll dap it up. And that's what they're doing is they're, they're doing something so that they can get a little extra grip. A lot of these guys, you see the pitchers with a really dirty ball cap. It's pine tar that they've got on their cap. Yeah. But it's on a dirty spot where you can't really see it, and it's not obvious. When you saw there was a pitcher, I, I want to say it was Michael Pineda for the Yankees a couple years ago that had that patch on the back of his oh. neck, and he kept grabbing for the back of his neck, and it was obvious what he was doing. From the camera angle, you yeah. see a big old shiny spot in his neck. You're yeah. like, come on, dude. I mean, I think Kenny Rogers was doing this years ago with the, with the Tigers, the same kind <laughs> yeah. of thing in the postseason. But if you're doing it in a way that it isn't obvious, yeah. then nobody's going to raise a fuss about it because there is a player safety standpoint, too. Yeah. The batter doesn't want the pitcher to have such a such an awful grip on the ball that it's going to come loose in their hands right. and go high up and in. So I now I'm I'm just curious how how bad it was how how obvious he was like digging his fingers into this goop on his and yeah. if they, like there was residue on the ball that they were seeing. Yeah, I don't know, but they they came up and you know the the umpire is an A ball. They're, they're kids come too. on, dude, are they're you two kidding kids me? Too. So like, you see him talking like. Hands over the glove. Give me the glove. He just walks right off. Go hit the showers. Um, Moving on. So the single Friday, Dylan Coleman made his first professional, uh, first appearance in Fort Wayne this year and threw a pair of scoreless innings. Coleman opened up the year in Lake Elsinore, but was sent back to extended to work on his mechanics. Last year's fourth rounder made 13 appearances in the AZL. Getting getting back towards his high 90s velocity he showed last year with much better command. Now, last year, he was really good. Yeah. He was pitching for Tri-Cities last year. Is that right? I believe so. He's a, he's a big guy. He's like six foot six, And I was looking at him. I, mean, I remember at the at the the opening, um, the Spring welcome 20? dinner. Okay. That he was just, it was him and Mason Thompson that you look at him and go, wow, that is a big dude. Like tall, broad shoulders. and it And with everything that I'd heard from him last year, I was expecting big things. Yeah. And the same thing for Mason Thompson because he's this heralded prospect. I saw all the work he was doing in the offseason. So to see both of those guys get shut down early. And do you know that I think Mason Thompson went back on the IL again? He, yeah, he did go back I on the IL again. I saw it on but Twitter Dylan today. Coleman, it sounds like he's been really just dealing with command issues more than anything, which is yeah, as good as he was last year. And he was a college pitcher. So you'd figure that you got, you got you some. Get over that hump. Yeah. So hopefully, hopefully he's back. You know, he's back out of complex. Yeah. You know, so let's hope for good things for him. Absolutely. So moving on to the double Saturday, the Tin Cups were held to five hits, and Blake Hunt had three of them. 
Blake Hunt is a friend been, of the podcast. Yes, very friend, very friendly of the podcast. Uh, Hunt has been very good with Fort Wayne, especially in the second half. With a 303, 380, 434 slash, the 20-year-old has lowered his strikeout rate from 22.9 last year in Tri-Cities to 17.9 this year. The 6'4", 225-pound Orange County native has made considerable strides behind the plate. You know, it's funny. When you, when you look at Luis Campusano, Campusano's a big guy. But he's got the broad shoulders and the broad hips, and he's got the thick body. Campusano looks like a catcher. Yeah, where, where uh, Blake Hunt, he's wiry. Yeah. He's, he's lean. He's got long arms and long limbs. But he's like Slender Man, where he, when he gets behind the plate, he gets down in the crouch, and he gets down low. I yeah. mean, he can get his thumb all the way down to the floor for, for picking up those low pitches. Yeah. So I don't hear anybody talking about six foot four Blake Hunt about how, can he stick a catcher, but six foot four Austin Allen has always gotten those words. Austin Allen's a man bear though. He's like, <laughs> he's a big boy. He is. Uh, well, and, and uh, Blake Hunt looks like you can put him in the outfield. Oh yeah, and I bet you he could. He's an athletic, athletic man. Absolutely. So we are uh, we are now under a time constraint. So oh, we're going to move on. We're not under on. any time constraint. Come on now. Uh, I, it's just how long our listeners want to listen to us babble on. Uber yes. can be your friend tonight. It's fine. Oh, okay. Ooh, okay, we there we go. Right now. That's so the triple Sunday, Ryan Weathers worked the five more walk-free innings, extended his streak without a free pass to 16 frames. After giving up a run in the first, he surrendered doubles in three of the next four innings, but was able to strand the runner each time. He struck out just one batter in the game as his velocity and K rate have both continued to lag after he was shut down in May. Even with the hiccup, he's on pace to throw just under 100 innings in his first full year of professional work. Michael Curry had two hits in that game, giving him a, the team-leading OPS of 827. Hot Curry. Hot Curry. And I love that Weathers is, A, continue to pitch. Is I really think is learning how to pitch without that velo. Well, and it tells us that he's, he's healthy. Yeah. And he's just tired. He's a kid. He got drafted. This, he's, he's young. But he continues to succeed without his best stuff. Absolutely. And that's what you want to see. All right. Moving on to Tri-Cities. For our single Saturday, Helix High and UCLA alum Jack Stronach, 22 years old, was the star of the game with a pair of doubles and his first professional home run. The 21st round pick this year hit 331, 402, 429 from the left side in his junior year for the Bruins to earn the spot in his hometown team system. Ethan Elliott, a 10th round pick out of this year's draft, tossed four innings, giving up a hit and striking out four. The double Sunday infielder Kelvin Melian continued his stellar production uh, for the Dust Devils going 4-for-4 four four to push his average up to 355. He's hidden eight straight games after struggling to open the year in Lake Elsinore. He went back to extended spring training and then fared even worse in a month-long stint with Fort Wayne. However, since the 20-year-old has reported back to the Northwest League, where he, is long, uh, where he first logged time in a stateside debut in 2017, very long sentence, uh, he's delivered at the plate while moving around the infield defensively. His 857 OPS tops the teams. Sometimes you have to, step, you know, and I have this in the notes there. Sometimes you have to take a couple steps back to find yourself again. Sometimes you have to take a step back to get you on track. Yeah. I was feeling mildly poetic that day. That, that's that's very nice. <laughs> All right. So for the triple, right-hander Connor Lehman continued a solid professional debut season with three scoreless frames. The seventh rounder out of St. Louis University who's been working three-inning stints, got eight days of rest before Tuesday's appearance after a long college season. 
The six foot seven righty from New Jersey is holding opponents to a 198 average, but has walked 13 in 22 and a third innings of work. So that kind of makes me think of, I mean, different workload, but Robert Stock was kind of doing that. Yeah. Where he was giving up a ton of walks, but nobody was getting any hits off of him. And if you could just figure out to throw strikes, you got something there. Yeah, but the fact that they've got him working three innings at a time on a bunch of rest in between tells me that maybe next year they're going to line him up as a, as a starter. Yeah. But six foot seven, you got to be able to repeat that delivery. And that's really hard when you're six foot seven. Uh, moving on to a little short stint with the AZL. Uh, Saturday, the AZL one Padres had exceptional pitching as their staff got 16 out of the 27 outs by strikeouts. Eight of the punchouts were by 18-year-old Edmer, Edgar Martinez. Another of the organization's seemingly endless supply of Cuban pitchers. On the season, the undersized, undersized righty has a 2.97 ERA with 47 strikeouts and 36 in the third innings against only six walks. Carlos Huarate continued his stellar stateside debut season with five more scoreless innings. The 18-year-old Venezuelan allowed just one earned run over 24 innings in his last five starts, dropping his season ERA to 1.73. While his ERA ranks second on the circuit, he struck out 30 in his 36.1 innings of work, well below the count of any of the other six Padres pitchers in Peoria who have thrown between 35 and 38 innings. That's kind of a narrow qualifier there. Very. But he... It's a short season. Yeah. So who's really thrown that many innings? Right. Absolutely. So that wraps it up. But before we go, I do want to reiterate the the online auction and the raffle tickets for the Barker Strong uh, No One Fights Alone campaign. So Barker Strong Night is August 17th. This Saturday. And uh, so go on Live Source and get a couple raffle tickets. Maybe you can win a nice jersey. Yeah, but it, if you don't win a jersey, you still get to contribute to a very worthwhile cause. Absolutely, guys. Uh, other than that, we um, I got. So, what are your plans this weekend? You say you're going to go up maybe Friday, maybe Sunday. So I'm going to be. I should be able to make the Friday game for you to throw the first pitch out. <laughs> Here we go. Um, I might big league you guys and go sit and take pictures. Well, I'm on the field because I'll have my credential. <laughs> Um, no, we're gonna do Friday, and then I work late Saturday. Sunday, I'm going to go up. You guys are going to be up there. I'm going to go up early and talk to uh, Doug Banks. I had a big line of questions for Doug Banks. You know, his uh, his hitting his boss, his the hitting coach was uh, Rudy Rudy Yario. God, I can't. Jaramillo. Jaramillo. Thank you. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. It's probably Yaramillo or something. Yeah, very legendary hitting coach. So oh yeah, he's been around. I got forever. a ton of questions for him, and I also going to take some time to uh, to catch up with Joey Cantillo. So is that the wrap-up of their season? No, but after that, I go on vacation at the end of next week. Oh, gotcha. So on the 23rd, I, we fly out to, uh, to Tennessee. Okay. So it'll be the wrap-up of my season. If, if by chance that next week, uh, two weeks from now, I, I was able to maybe make one game up there and try to squeeze in one more interview. Okay. But then we'll be back on September 1st to go to the dinner and uh, you guys be able to finally give Lake Elsinore the $408.61 that we raised selling the Dominate the Day and Luis Patino shirts. Oh, yes. With the promotion of Luis Patino, you had to close the Luis Patino campaign. Absolutely. So thank you to all the listeners for buying yourself a nice T-shirt to support your... uh, couple of your favorite minor league players, but also... The whole team. Help support the team financially, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I saw when I was up in the Inland Empire, I saw Terrence, the clubhouse guy, and I'm like, yeah, so we're going to be coming and seeing you at the end of the season, and like, we're going to hook you up. Yeah. The women of Padres Twitter, they had their raffle. They're having another one this weekend. They have no, God, they raised with 
what would take months to do, they raised it in like five hours. The power of the women of Padres Twitter. <laughs> they have the wallet. They don't have our well. They have our wallets. Um, so, but with with players like Joey Cantillo uh, coming up, you know, he's a Hawaiian punch. Uh, there can be great shirts made for him. Uh, once again, can be sold for. Um, you know, all that money goes straight to the Lake Elsinore Booster Club. Well, we'll have to we'll have to fire that back up next spring. Absolutely. Uh, until then, you can find me on Twitter at SD Donovan. I am at Zippy underscore TMS. All right, go Padres. Go Padres. Go Padres.